1 Samuel chapter 3 says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. The King James says there was no open vision, no frequent vision. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was, the high priest, was laying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. Listen to this. It says, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was laying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here am I. And so he ran to Eli and he said, here I am for you called me. And Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. Go back to bed, boy. (laughs) And the Bible says the Lord called again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call, my son. Go lay down again. Now listen to this. Verse 7 says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Here was a young man living in the tabernacle serving the high priest doing all of the religious things but he did not yet know the Lord and the Lord called Samuel again the third time so he arose and went to Eli and said here I am for you did call me and Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy therefore Eli said to Samuel go lie down and it shall be that if he calls you that you must say speak Lord for your servant And the scripture goes on to tell us that Samuel did just that. And God began to reveal some things to Samuel. But where I want to focus my remarks today is on the early part of this scripture where it says that in the King James Version, ear the lamp of God went out in the temple. Because every morning and evening, two things would happen is is the priests would come in and they would light the golden lampstand according to Deuteronomy and in the evening when the fame, uh, flame began to fade out. The scripture makes note that this is when Samuel laid down and God began to speak. And so I want to preach to you for a few minutes from this subject, hope for a dying flame. Can we pray right now? Lord, God, I ask that you would minister, that you would speak to somebody in this place today, God, that you would awaken the fire in somebody's soul today, God. I pray, Lord, that you would let fire from heaven consume us before we leave this place, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray and ask it according to your will. God bless you. You can be seated. 1 Samuel chapter 3 holds a a unique place in the timeline of Scripture. And I just want to get in there and live for a minute so we can see what's happening when God begins to talk to Samuel because God is just about to lead Israel through a dynamic cultural transition. On the horizon is the end of the age of the judges and soon they will anoint King Saul and the people will ask for Saul and soon kings will lead the nation of Israel. And context is everything in this passage because the conditions of the world around the boy Samuel give meaning to his personal experience. They give enlightenment to how God begins to respond in the onset 
of darkness. They reveal to us what God does when humanity begins to drift away from deity. And so here we see that, that Samuel is living in a time where the priesthood has become a profession, where the high priest Eli has not attended to his duties according to the word of God. And, and Israel is no longer looking to God-led, spirit-led men to lead them into their future. They're looking to kings that the people would choose. And, and this is the context for which Samuel is living in. The words of the first verses of the chapter are calculated and measured, each perfectly chosen to set the scene. The Bible says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Samuel was living in a time where people weren't hearing from God as much as they used to. The ears of people were not quite as attuned to the Spirit. He was living in a day where there weren't many prophets walking around. There weren't many people who were tapped in and connected to what God was speaking and God was saying in the hour. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. The King James Version says it this way. The word of the Lord was precious in those days. And I would say that it's always precious. But what it means is it was unique for someone to hear from God in the day that Samuel was living in. It was unique and rare for somebody to be that tapped in to what the Holy Ghost was saying. It says the word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no open vision. It wasn't that God wasn't working. It was that people could not see what God was doing. It wasn't that God wasn't moving. It was that perception was off, that there was no open vision. They were confused by the noise, distracted by the dilemmas of their day, their vision. The Greek or Hebrew word there is kazon. Their dreams and revelations were not open. They didn't understand what God was doing, where God was leading them, what their purpose was, what their place in history was. There, there's no open vision in Samuel's day. There's no open vision in the priesthood. There's no open vision in the temple. There's no open vision in the tabernacle. People are just confused and their vision is closed. They can't see what God is doing and why God put them where he put them. There is no kazon. There is no dreams and visions. It was a day of dying dreams, a day when people looked at the world and could not easily recognize the hand of God at work. They couldn't conceive or grasp the dream, the purpose, the vision that God had placed before them. And the problem was progressive. Because time and circumstance had pulled people away from God. People were drifting because the tabernacle and the temple was a mere shell of what it was supposed to represent. And church became all about religiosity and routine. The candles were still lit every day, but there was no real fire in the house. The priests were still performing their duties. They were still carrying out the commands of God. But there was no fire in the ministry. 
They were still doing all the things and it looked to the average observer, to the casual eye, as if everything was clicking right along. But there is no open vision. People are not hearing from God. And when people aren't hearing God's word, the vision begins to die. That's why you need to go to church. Is that all right if I digress for a moment? That's why you need to read the word of God. Because when you're not hearing what God is saying, you begin to lose sight of the dreams that God is giving. And so it requires a constant connection in order to fulfill your divine destiny. When people are not hearing The vision begins to die and you begin to lose sight of who God called you to be, of how God called you to walk, of what kind of family and how you are to conduct yourself in this life. You're not just another citizen. You're not just another community. You're not just another nation. You are the children of God in a world that needs him desperately. And when the hearing goes... You begin to lose your understanding of who you are and why you are here. Is is anybody hearing what I'm saying today? Because Samuel's day looked to me a whole lot like our day looks. We are not just here by accident. We are the people upon whom this age has dawned. This age has come. And God has called us to this place and this time for a reason and for a purpose. And when people aren't hearing... Vision begins to die. In fact, the scripture goes on to say that Eli's eyes had grown so dim that he could not see. Now, I've debated. I don't know whether it was talking about the physical degeneration of his actual eyeballs and his physical vision or if it was descriptive of his priestly leadership because the scripture and the chapters before say that some stuff was going on in the priesthood among Eli's sons that he was unwilling to address and unwilling to deal with as if his eyes could not see what was happening. The eye of Eli had grown dim to what the ministry had begun to represent and there was no correction. He let his son do whatever they wanted to do and they defiled the temple of God. And Eli, it was his duty and his job to watch out for the things of God, but his eyes had grown dim. And under his leadership, the priesthood had become a profession. They're physically carrying out the ministry of the temple, but their hearts have grown far from God. And they're going through the motions and Eli has turned a blind eye to it all. His eyes had grown dim. And Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The scripture chapter 3 verse 7 says Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now, now pardon me if I just rewind for a second. Because Samuel was the product of a woman named Hannah. And Hannah was a woman who had a barren womb. And she just couldn't live with a barren womb. And so she entreated God in the same tabernacle that Samuel would one day grow up in. And she said, God, give me children lest I die. Lord, I've got to have children. I need to have a child. And she got beside herself in prayer. So much so that Eli, whose eyes were dim and couldn't see what was happening right in front of him, marked her mouth. He slapped her in the face and said, woman, stop acting crazy at church. (laughs) Man, you try that. I'm not going to try that. (laughs) But Samuel 
was the miracle child of Hannah. And when Hannah had that baby, she said, I'm giving my baby to the house that gave it to me. I'm giving my baby back to the one who gave him to me. And she put Samuel in the priesthood from the time that he was a baby. Now listen, y'all don't get any ideas. Y'all don't start dropping babies off this week. Because <laughs> we don't want to watch them. <laughs> but something got a hold of Eli. And Eli said, you know what, we'll take him. And they began to raise this boy in the house of God. He knew every move to make and every, every step to take at the right time to make it. But the Bible says that though Samuel was a person who had grown up in the house of God, that he did not yet know the Lord. He was a product of his religious environment. He knew how to have church. He knew how to clap on the two and the four. Some of y'all need to get that revelation. I'm just saying while I'm here. He knew just how to do church. He knew how to carry out his duties. He knew how to amen the preacher. He knew how to light the candles. He knew how to cut up the sacrifice. He knew how to do everything that a priest would do. But he did not know how. He did not have an experience with the Lord. Why? Because he's. Living in a day where the lamp of God is fading and flickering and the fire is going out. The wick is smoking and it was a dark day because the flame was fading in the house of God. And look what a travesty if we create a place where our kids can grow up and not know the Lord. What a tragedy if mom and dad have had an experience with God but teenager turns 18 and goes off to college and they never receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What a travesty if our kids go to kid life. And Sister Donna, so I'm glad you're here today. And what if they go out and they never know the Lord? You see, we're not just about routine and form. We are the church of the living God. We are born again in the fire of the Holy Ghost. And Samuel didn't know the Lord. Because of the culture around him. He's living in a day where the lamp of God is fading. And it's a dark day because the flame is fading. God chooses this evening time where the, fame, uh, the flame is about to go out to begin to speak to Samuel. He chooses this hour ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord. Just before the flame is extinguished, the voice of God speaks and God begins to call a young man who knew everything about church, but he didn't know God for himself. And Samuel is serving God in the tabernacle as the lamp is going out. It's flickering, and it's not altogether gone out, but it's not really burning brightly either. And people aren't hearing voices, the voice of God. People are confused about what God is doing They've groped in the dark trying to find God's purpose. There's no open vision. The priesthood has become a religious show and the eyes of the priest have grown dim. But in the hour of the expiring flame, God begins to speak and God begins to call. Laying in the darkness of the flickering lamp of God, Samuel hears a voice that he's never heard before. Samuel! Samuel, the voice cries out, in the fading light, as if a voice of a parent waking their child from a sleep. Samuel, it's time to wake up. What does God do when fires begin to fade? 
What is God's response when darkness seems to prevail? He calls forth a keeper of the flame. And the timing is not a coincidence. Because before the fire went out, God's voice began to speak to a kid who had only known religion. Out of the darkness of dying devotion, God calls a young prophet. Out of a culture that is confused and drifting far from God, God calls a young boy to bring clarity. Out of the day of the dying flame, God calls someone who will burn brightly for him. David would have never become David if all of Israel had not been cowering behind the rocks when he showed up to bring food to his brothers. What happens when the light begins to go out, when faith diminishes and ministry fades? What happens? I'll tell you what happens is as the flame in the house of God is going out, God begins to light the flame within the heart of a person. God takes what is publicly dying and invests it personally into a person with an experience. And so God chooses to move the fire from the lamp into the lad. And there, in those dark hours, Samuel hears the call of God for the very first time. What what is fire? Throughout Scripture, fire holds a highly symbolic place. Fire is the symbol of deity. How many of you knew this? Can I get an amen? Just making sure y'all aren't asleep. Fire is the symbol of deity. Hebrews 12, 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. Malachi 3, 2 says that He shall sit as a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. God identifies Himself with fire. Isaiah 4, 4 says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of burning. Fire is a symbol of deity. Matthew 3, 11 says Jesus shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And is it all right if I just walk through the scriptures for a moment and let's talk about what this God talks about and means when he shows us fire. Fire, first of all, is the symbol of deity. Fire isn't just a symbol of deity. It also represents the approval of God. Because in Leviticus 9... The Bible says a fire goes out from the altar and consumed the sacrifice and the people shouted and fell on their face. Why did the fire fall? Because God was showing I approve of this offering and this sacrifice. Hebrew scholars believe that Cain and Abel when they brought their offerings that the way that Cain knew that his offering was rejected was because Abel's caught fire but Cain's would not. Fire represents the approval of God. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham has an experience with God. And he lays out five animals and he cuts them in half. And the Bible says that he falls into a deep sleep. And God sends a smoking furnace and a burning flame. And it moves through the sacrifice. God signifying, I approve of this. The father of Samson 
In the book of Judges, when he offered a sacrifice, the Bible says fire shot out of the rock and an angel appeared and began to speak. You see, when our lives get to the place where God approves of a living sacrifice, regular old saints begin to catch on fire. Regular old worship services begin to catch on fire. Why? Because God says, I approve. I'm in this. I am with this. I am for this. Fire is the approval of God. Fire represents the presence of God. In Zechariah chapter 2, he says, I will be unto Jerusalem a wall of fire round about and the glory of the Lord in the midst of her. When Israel was being chased down by Egypt, we know the story. They're fresh on their heels. And the Bible said it was a pillar of fire that sat above the children of Israel. The presence of the Almighty God revealed himself to his people as a pillar of fire. And the Bible says the Egyptians couldn't see it, Brother David. The Egyptians couldn't perceive it. To the Egyptians, it was just a cloud. But to the children of God, it was the presence of a holy fire. It's the presence of God in the midst of his people and listen God led Israel through that fire by that fire the fire had a guiding effect it had an illuminating effect it had an energizing effect it was the fire of the presence of God on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell the Bible says there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire that sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I want you to see what God began to show me in the Scripture when God needed to send the gospel into the world, into a world that didn't know Him. How did He start? He started with 120 individual fires. He put his presence upon his people through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Fire. God created and called his people to be a fiery people. To be people of illumination. People of passion. People of the presence of God. He called us to power and to praise. He called us to burn with a fire. Not from this world. He called us to walk and the approving fire of God. God has called us to be on fire. You know, fire once was thought of by the ancient world as one of four basic elements. Maybe you remember the band Earth, Wind, and Fire. Harkens back to that. Amen. Maybe you remember that. But they thought fire was one of four elements, but modern science tells us that fire is not an element at all. In fact, fire is a chemical reaction. The same in many ways as a melting glass of water. Fire is the visible effect of the process of combustion, a special type of chemical reaction, and it occurs between the oxygen in the air and the fuel. Oxygen, fuel, and heat are the triangle of fire. You need all three in order to start a fire. And listen to this. In order for there to be a fire, there has to be fuel. There has to be something 
for the fire to catch on to. Small fire, it's because there's not much fuel. Fading flame, it's because there's not much fuel. How many of y'all ever played with these, these matches? Ever played with matches? Most of my childhood. You can do a lot of damage with matches. I'm not sharing any personal stories. I'm just saying you can. It's possible. But a match, I snuffed out my own flame. Holy Ghost said, some of y'all been doing the same thing. Oh, come on. <laughs> y'all hang with me for a minute. I'm going to try not to breathe on this flame. You see, why that died is because the carbon dioxide from my breath took away the oxygen. And it didn't matter how much there was because there was no oxygen. You know, the Bible says that the spirit is the pneuma or the breath of God. We need the breath of God in order to have a holy fire. But the reason that this is not a big fire is because there's not much fuel. I can't even keep it lit. There's not much fuel to it. And so the fire dies out because there's not much fuel. The fire goes out. Proverbs 26 says this. It says that where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Because I can take the same match and I can put it into some kindling. And I learned this. That when my son and I, he went to, he went to Boy Scouts twice. Just long enough to make a fire. Just long enough to learn how to make a fire. I learned this. That how you set up for a fire matters. You don't just take a log and light it with a match. You got to have some kindling for the fire. In fact, you put some kindling down and then you put some small sticks and you cross them up so oxygen can flow through and then you put some bigger sticks on top of that and then on top of that you put some even bigger sticks and what happens is from a very small place, from a very small spark into the right kindling, the fire begins to catch and it begins to move through the fuel. The reason some of us are no longer on fire for God is because there's no wood on the fire I came to preach today I don't have to preach a whole lot longer but before you get out I'm going to get you because the Holy Ghost been talking to me all week the reason that our ministries turn out weak sometimes is because there's no fuel on the fire the reason that we're not impacting our world the reason our neighbors are not saved is because we've not put any wood on the fire we live in the day of the dying flame and what does God do when the flame is dying he goes back and he finds some kindling and he says I may not be able to get the whole tabernacle I may not be able to get the whole priesthood but I can get one boy with an experience with God and I can get a get a big fire out of some small kindling. Why is your fire going out? Why do you come to church and your praise lacks the power that it used to? It's because you've laid no wood on the fire. Personal prayer is like wood on the fire. If I come to the house of God to talk to somebody I hadn't talked to in a couple weeks, to visit with somebody, it's going to be a different experience than if I've been laying wood on the fire all week. Personal Bible reading is wood on the fire. Serving God and ministering to others is wood on the fire. And 
And you know, it's interesting because once a match burns up, you ever taken that burnt piece of match and tried to burn it again? It won't work because there's nothing left that's consumable in it. And you know what the Holy Ghost began to speak to me? Is what I begin to see in Samuel's day, and I see it echoed in ours, is there's not much for God to consume. Because we've given it to everything else. We've given our time, our energy, our effort to everything else but the kingdom of God. And if there's a meeting, and if, if there's a prayer service, if there's something going on, we don't have time. There's not much to be consumed. Oh, come on. You make it to everything your kids are involved in. You make it to everything. Your family makes it a priority to show up to what it wants to. But if you want the fire to burn again, you've got to make some wood for the fire. You've got to make some room in your life for God to move and for God to burn. And the reason for the fading fire is the lack of wood. Because we prefer, let me preach to you. You can go to another church and they'll pat you on the back. But I want to preach to somebody because our world is dark and it needs a burning church. The point of coming here isn't just for us to be patted on the back, made to feel good and go home. We are created to be salt and to be light. We are created to have a dynamic impact in a dark and dying world. We were baby, we were created to burn. We were made to burn. God started out all with the fire of the Holy Ghost and he intended for us to keep the flames burning because when somebody comes here and they need healing, they need the fire of the Holy Ghost in the house of God. We want it easy. We want it convenient. We want it all programmed and packaged nicely where there's not much sacrifice. Make it easy on me, preacher. Don't call a last minute prayer meeting. Hey, I remember when I was a kid, you never knew what was on the church calendar. The church calendar was more like a suggestion. Because if my dad, the pastor, started feeling the Holy Ghost say, we need to pray this week, guess what we did? We prayed. We never had 21 days of prayer growing up because it was 365 days of prayer. And some of y'all that did the 21 days, thank God for it. But you ought to just go ahead and stretch it out and make it 365. Because as much wood as you will put on the fire, the bigger and brighter the flames will burn. Listen, I've come to preach that there is hope for a dying fire. Some of you have come and you say, I just don't feel it like I used to. I just don't, I'm not getting the same thing. Some of you have contemplated going elsewhere and trying something different. And let me tell you, the answer is not in switching churches. The answer is not and all of this other stuff it's how much wood are you putting on the fire it's not about my convenience it's not about that but where there is no wood the fire goes out God called us to be a burning people a passionate people and God reaches down in the middle of a dying dark religious world and he picks up one young man and you know the next time we see Samuel in scripture I search the pages to say where does he show up again you know it's funny the story God speaks to Samuel you know what he tells Samuel I'm fixing to judge Eli the guy that's raised you I'm fixing to judge him and his sons and Israel's about to lose the ark and some bad things are going to happen Little 12-year-old Samuel comes back in the next day, and Eli says, well, what did God say? Well, the funny thing is, Eli, the name did come up. 
But after that moment, we don't see Samuel again until after the ark has been gone for 20 years. The ark has been gone. But let me tell you something, the fire never stopped burning. The lamp was going out in the temple of God, but when it went out in the temple of God, it settled inside of a young man. And when Israel begins to bring the ark back home because the Philistines couldn't handle it and and they couldn't deal with it, the Bible says Israel all came together and Samuel was the one who called them all together. And he called an entire nation to repentance. And after looking back over the last 20 years, the whole nation came to the same conclusion that our fire went out and we must repent and so what did they do the entire nation of Israel brought sacrifices again and all of a sudden out of the flame of one fiery person of God one fiery young man of God there were flames all over Israel burning again and the nation was turning back to God again because God just needs somebody who's on fire Somebody who will be willing to be consumed with the cause of Christ. Our lives must be consumable because we just don't have time for a move for God. We don't have the energy or drive to put into the kingdom of God. Can't seem to muster up the praise to push past our present struggles. We struggle to make time for prayer. Struggle to bring our kids to church. Certainly struggle to clear the calendar to serve and be available to others. But hear me, if we want to see the fire again, we've got to make our lives consumable again. You've got to give God room to work in your life. You've got to give God room. Because where there is no wood, the fire will go out. If our fire is dying, it's because we've let it go out. It's not because God has changed. It's not because His miracle working power is any different. I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. If the fire isn't burning as brightly, it's because we've made our lives less available, our spirits less available, our minds less available to teaching of the Word of God, less available. And as we are less available, the fire and the flame begins to diminish God is speaking to a Samuel in this room Samuel I'm calling you to be a fiery saint of God we're living in a day of fading flames some of you have all but given up because you feel like you've let God down let me just let me just speak to this for a moment before we wrap up here in just a few Matthew 24 12 Jesus said That in the last days, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. Because of the activity and environment of sinfulness around us, many will lose their fire. What we need in this day and in this hour is a rebaptism of holy fire. Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. Rekindle the dying flame. Fan to life, one version says, the flame of God that is within you. And I pray that someone is hearing me in the Holy Ghost today. More than ever, our world needs a church that is on fire for God. A church that is consumed with passion for God's purpose. A church that is able to react and to respond to God's presence by being consumed with His purpose. What is fire? Fire is not an element, it's a reaction. 
And some of us simply don't have the fire because when God moves, we don't react. When God speaks, we don't respond. God calls Samuel to step forward out of the flickering and fading light in the house of God and step into an experience with God that would change his trajectory. When the public flame grew dim, God started dealing with a person because public fires always begin with personal revivals. Brother Toby, I want to ask you to come. We're coming quickly to a close, but as I was studying and kind of marinating in this all week, reading about, I've read so much about fire this week, y'all. I feel like my clothes smell like smoke. I came across again the story of Muhammad Wazizi, who in 2010, he was just a simple Tunisian street vendor. The autocratic government that he was living under that oppressed its constituents took a step too far with Muhammad. They seized all of his assets and stole his business away for whatever contrived reason. And Muhammad would not take it anymore. He literally stepped out into the street and he set himself on fire. You might remember it in the news. They called it the Arab Spring. And the images of that one man on fire spread around the Muslim world rapidly into the surrounding nations. And before hours had been spent, millions of people began to pour into the streets to protest the autocratic governments that had oppressed them. Then a move of democracy, the likes of which the modern Muslim world has never seen, started because one man had had enough of the darkness. One man had had enough and he set himself on fire. And when he caught on fire, the whole rest of the Muslim world did too. Five governments began to uh, buckle. And soon, dictatorships began to fall. And people began to gain a voice in their world where they did not have a voice in their world. It changed. It lasted for several years. From that moment, kings were brought to their knees because one person, one man, set himself on fire. Just one man. It just goes to show you what can happen when one person catches on fire. One person catches a blaze. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I want us to stand together in the Holy Ghost. That God wants to start something great through you. God wants to see something great happen in your life. He wants to use you in ministry and for His glory. But I promise you it will never happen as long as He has nothing to consume in our life. Sacrifice is what fuels revolutions. And we have a world that is confused. We have a world that is dark. Young people are being fed the lies of transgenderism and a movement that would confuse them and carry them far away from the image that God created them in. Listen, we don't hate anybody. We just stand against the lies of the enemy that would confuse 
to hate anybody. But if we want to reach a world that is drifting far from God, it's going to take more than just showing up to church, folding my hands, putting a bumper sticker on my car. It's going to take some stuff in my life that God can use. It's going to take some time that God can use. It's going to take some prayers that God can use. It's going to take some availability that God can use. And so when we begin to start these ministries this year, you get to decide the size of your fire. How available do I want to be to the kingdom of God? How available do I want to be to see God save the lost because God can do it there's hope for a dying flame as long as there's a person willing to catch on fire I wonder if you would stretch your hands to the heavens right now. And we're going to begin to pray. Some of you, the very reason that your fire is going out is because you've been holding back from God. You've been holding some things back from God. But I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service to just lay it on the fire of the Spirit. As God begins to speak, maybe it's an amount of money that He's asking you to give. Maybe it's a ministry that He's asking you to join. Maybe it's a, a, a Bible study that He's asking you to start. I don't know what it is, but right now God is going to reveal in the name of Jesus. God, I pray in this house that your spirit would begin to speak to somebody just like you did Samuel in the day of fading flames. God, let your voice speak and call greatness forth out of somebody who's willing, somebody who's available, somebody who loves your cause enough to stand up in a dark and dying hour. God, let somebody catch fire in the Holy Ghost.